0: up everyone welcome to another episode of movie schmovie the podcast where i steven ritter joined by my buddies john walker say hi john
1: hi i'm john
0: and ronald james hello <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've uh we've, we've got ronald's the, ma- the wacky one yeah, yeah 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 he's he's super he's super zany um, <laughs> yeah. we got together two weeks in a row for this you know we made it happen we went on a a bender where we were just like where are we what are we doing with our lives we've not done movies movie for 5 weeks and now we have two episodes in a row so i know a lot of people aren't going to know what to do with their podcast feeds when they see two weeks in a row they're, they're going to think it's broken <laughs> they're going to think they need to delete their app and uh, take a new choice of selection apps but no this is intentional We have done this. What
1: they don't know is that we're about to go dark for like three months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're about to hibernate for the whole winter.
1: (laughs) Right. Now, hopefully, we'll actually all be in the same room soon to do our sort of year-end episode, Holiday Shmala where we round up our our Baham bugs for the year and our kind of things that we're thankful for uh, for the year. So that'll be a fun one. But yes, we like to do that one face-to-face. So fingers crossed we work that out. Mm. But we're here tonight to talk about a very specific topic a movie that we all saw that's coming out i think the day this podcast comes out so that's always uh it's always an exciting thing
0: that that would be correct john you are right in that statement <laughs> what's the movie what's the movie ronald tell everybody what the movie is
2: spider-man into the spider-verse a very exciting Man. movie spider-man
0: it really is into the spider-verse yeah two hyphens and Too a colon <laughs> that's a lot
1: I guess it is. It's like they're stepping. Wow. They're, they're going the into Mission
0: Impossible territory with oh their yeah. titles and the punctuation. It's dub hyphen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you didn't know anything about comics, or if you didn't really know anything about the kind of lore that this movie is springing from, I think this name would be utterly confounding. You know, in fact, I myself, every time I look at it, it almost seems like it's a video game, yes, or it's the name yes. of a comic. What was your experience, Steve, of this character? I know Ronald and I had a little bit of an acquaintance with the the version of Spider-Man that's in this movie, Miles Morales, before seeing it. But what was your knowledge of this this version of the character?
0: I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot about this version. I don't know a lot about Miles Morales. I don't know a lot about, I don't know, the the whole Spider-Verse or how they fractured the different timelines to have different, uh, or the, 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 the time-space continuums, whatever you want to call them, to... Uh, explore different kinds of spider men and spider women spider folk spider folk um spider things spider nouns um <laughs> spider nouns i, you know, I like that so this, <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't i don't uh yeah so i don't i don't really have much uh, exposure to it i mean my exposure has simply been peter parker and mainly the incarnations that have been on the big screen and you know the animated series i used to really love and very minimal exposure to the comics, um, even as it pertains to Peter Parker. But, um, the idea of something that I have no idea about is always super interesting to me and going in and learning a lot about something is really interesting. And, you know, the trailers for this really kind of sold me on, you know, not only like willing to submit to that, but like really wanting it, you know what I mean? And especially with all these comic films coming out the 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 live action ones that we see two or three a year it seems this is um this was presented as like a really cool alternative to that not only in just the the type of medium but like just the the story you know because it genuinely is something that i have uh zero knowledge about going into it you know i've heard the name and that's about it like i'm aware of the name but i don't know the story i don't know when that whole run of comics took place or if they're still taking place or anything like that. So it was a really cool experience for me to hear a branded name that I know, but uh, a take on it that I've never been exposed to before at all. So that was kind of cool. What
1: about you, Ronald? What does uh, Miles Morales mean to you as a as a character before seeing this movie, but I guess also now that you've seen <clears throat> it?
2: Uh, well... um Every black person does not have this uh, superpower, but when anything that involves a minority appears in a creative world, I can hear it, no matter where it is in the world, whether it's in Brazil, (laughs) United States, How does it come across to your uh, ears? Is it like a
0: hum, or is it like a really high-pitched sound? How do you hear it?
2: Ronald, is it kind of like
1: how white people know when there's a new Wes Anderson movie coming? Yes. Yes. It's like um,
2: squiggly lines form on my head, Mm. like above my Mm. head. (laughs) <laughs> almost like a almost like, like a, a layered sense. sort of color thing yeah almost like almost. A okay got it got it so in 2011 when I heard about Mos Morales up- appearing in comic books man it kind of shook me to my core to be honest because you know as a as a comic book reader there wasn't a lot of representation in comic books besides um Spawn was one of the main ones that I used to read uh Green Lantern so my exposure to characters that were black um, and then like Storm and stuff like that. So there wasn't very much representation. So fast forward to my whole adult life, I see that Marvel's taking a chance and, and making this character another person who is young and Afro-Latino. I, I, was, I was excited, man. And um, I'd, I'd read a couple Of the comic books, I've also read some of the Spider Verse comics, which which was very different than this this version that we're seeing. But I really enjoyed those as well, and I knew that this would be a big deal. And I was kind of saying something about it right when it was kind of happening because I didn't want to like be like, "Man, this is a big fucking deal, and it's going to be really well done, and this character is so cool that every iteration I've seen of Miles." has always been good, that I knew this was going to be a hit. I think it's going to do really well when it, when it comes out. So I was super excited, and I was trying not to, like, talk about it every time we spoke, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's because I knew it was going to be big. I, I I mean, the way that people are talking about it at this point, the, the momentum that this has... I think it's going to do really well. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I had coming in.
1: Steve, you were saying that you you, you didn't really know the extent to which this character was part of the regular Marvel Universe, yeah. and how long right. the stories have been going on, and that kind of thing. Ronald mentioned 2011 is when the character first appeared. It was part of what was called the Ultimate Universe, which is sort of an offshoot. that kind of created a different universe. Like, a you know, there's always been alternate worlds, or there have been for decades. Right. But they finally kind of delved into this alternate world that was meant to, I think at the time, relaunch the characters for New readers in a way that they would be able to understand. And, yeah. and in, in the course of doing that, they also made the characters a little different and also a little more grounded. And so I don't remember which characters they did in that world, but I know that the Marvel cinematic universe sort of took the cue of the tone of the Ultimate Comics, which was reaching out to a slightly more mainstream audience that did not have all this backstory in mind. Right. And so the movies have been this kind of marriage of that spirit of trying to make the characters more grounded, but also, as you know, pulling increasingly from the more bizarre uh, comic stories. There's about five or six years of Miles Morales stories where in his world, he was the Spider-Man after um, uh, certain events that we see depicted in this movie. And I think they did a, a great job, not just of making a movie that was highly entertaining, but of, of introducing this multiverse concept and showing you how little subtle differences can occur even between different versions of the same person. Um Within a world, I, I yeah, I, so I, yeah, it felt very comic booky, and I think that's one of the main things that, as we dive into this movie, we'll probably end up talking about is the the extent to which they they state that what they wanted to do was create the effect of jumping into a comic book. And people say that all the time. This movie really uh, attempts to do that, and it's amazing in retrospect. How I'm, I'm still thinking about certain scenes and certain shots and how they looked and and how they must have worked to achieve that look. What did you think of the look, Ronald? Did did it
2: uh, get to you like it did to me? Yeah, I mean. <sighs> that kind of layered sort of, I mean, and it's so, so one thing that has to be kind of said too, is not, not only does it look like a a comic book feel, it looks like sort of the, the mid nineties, early two thousands comic books that I remember reading, where it, The, 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 like the colors kind of off center a little bit. Um, it's, it, it's layered and it, it looks very fresh. I don't know. I, it's it's kind of hard to describe without actually seeing it, but it looks fresh out of a comic book, something that has been kind of replicated in bits and pieces in movies, but never, never this level, never this brilliant of colors, never anything that's looks so lived in. You know, it feels like you're in the only thing that I can really think that replicates this is one time I got like a X-Men comic that came with some 3D glasses. <laughs> and it and it had this, like, sort of thing where you're reading, you're going through the panels, and it pulls you in a little more than you would normally be pulled in. And it has this, these dimensions to it where it feels a lot more full than you you normally used to reading. Right. So that's the first thing I thought. Yeah. So what would you guys think about the look of it?
0: I mean, I, I thought it was beautiful. I mean, like, kind of what Ronna was just saying, like, I feel like some of those visuals of, like, where it looks like some of the colors are kind of offset to kind of make you focus on something that's in the front of the frame and like the things in the backside of the quote unquote, you know, panel that you're looking at, um, you know, it kind of, it kind of makes them offset so that, you know, you know, they're there, but like the focus really kind of, it ma- it makes you really focus on what's in, you know, the foreground. And I think that was really cool because like, um, you know animation today and some in some movies that we've seen recently is just so beautiful and there's so much to look at and like this accomplishes the same thing but had a really neat approach of like kind of you know training your eye to like what was like the most beautiful piece of a beautiful you know frame of film but I mean the whole frame itself looked amazing um I I felt like I, I felt like I kind of caught myself a few times doing that where I was like kind of looking around the frame and like noticing those offset colors almost like Almost like it was in 3D, like, you know, those blue offset reds and things like that yeah. where you're like, oh, that looks really cool. Because, like, you still completely see everything, but it really puts a focus on what's in the, you know, the, the front of the shot or the foreground. And that was something really different. And I think, you know, you know, the the, the the those, like, dots, you know, like the dots that you see in a lot of the frames of the film, you know, that kind of look like old comic book panels and things like that is kind of inventive and different and mixes a lot of the aesthetic of what the old comics you know or even 90s whatever you want to call old but like you know comic books look like with like what computer animation can do today and I think that it was kind of cool to see that um, in a movie that is kind of blending many worlds of a character you know in a film that's animated film that's kind of blending a lot of different styles of animation in the way that animation looks in movies today. So that mm-hmm. thought that was a really cool approach and that really hit me in a positive way and it made watching the movie outside of the narrative that we were being presented with and outside of the characters that we were meeting, you know what I was able to look at in the movie was a whole other level of experience when you're going to see an animated film and that was like something that this movie just completely succeeds on uh, in my opinion.
1: in the early moments of this movie, I was wondering if I, if I was going to be exhausted by it, because I was yeah. just looking around every frame and trying to find all these details, and I was noticing those little effects, like you you mentioned, where the background is not just kind of out of focus the way it might be in a regular film shot, but almost like doubled and out of focus yeah. to the extent yeah. where I would think, man, if I was an audience member who wasn't signing on for this slightly experimental look... I might think there was something wrong with the image, you know. I I was right. really impressed with how bold it was and I was sort of shocked that the Studio let them take this. It's kind of an experimental thing to do anyway. To say we're going to do an animated Spider-Man movie. You know, we're not just going to do a different Spider-Man than the one you're used to. We're also going to do an animated version of it, and we're also going to make it a wild new thing as in terms of how it looks yeah. with the halftone dots and the offset printing. But beyond that, it's not so much that it looks like a comic book as that it just everything about it feels like it somehow fits together like it was done by hand. Right. It's got this painterly or hand-drawn look to it. When they do bring in word balloons or captions or or elements of the comic book page, it's done in a very smooth way. There were about a hundred moments that I thought to myself, okay, that shot right there is the coolest thing I've ever seen on a
2: screen. Right, right. Incredible. So story-wise, what do do we think about how this was all put together and... Did it, did it work for you guys? Did this whole thing work for you?
0: I mean, the whole thing works for me. I mean, honestly, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. I mean, the more I think about it and the more I think about how much kind of fun I had watching it, I, you know, I don't know. I just feel like you can't deny an experience in the theater and everything like John was just describing in terms of just the aesthetics of the movie and like the, the audio experience and all that good stuff. It's all very positive in that respect. But I mean, I think, and even, I think John said this earlier, it's like the way they approach telling the story of, of who Miles is and who the other spider nouns, <laughs> spider people are, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just very smart. And I mean, it doesn't get too, you know, there, there's moments that it, if, you know, where they kind of repeat beats, but they know they're repeating the beat and they play to that. And I think that there's a lot of moments in the film that is, why it works so well is because it's really approaching it from the standpoint of we know what we're doing here and we know that some people will get this and some people won't so you know we're trying to present this in a way that will make it as accessible as possible and for me like you know i feel like i'm a good test because i think it works really well i mean i like these comic book movies but i don't know who any of these characters are besides peter parker so i mean it's kind of cool to see peter parker or to see a representation of peter parker on the screen and still be introduced to other characters that have their own arc, have their own story, have their own importance in their own worlds and in Miles's world. And even characters you know,
1: like Gwen Stacy, uh, but a different version of Gwen Stacy than has been seen on screen.
0: Yeah, like, to have, like, a whole different version of that is so cool, and, I don't know, I just think the story is so good, and it's so engaging, and, like, I really care about the characters, I care about, like, all of these spider people that we get in, introduced to, and, like, I kinda, it makes me interested to learn more about them, and... I think the story is so fast paced and it moves at such a quick clip that like it doesn't really have a moment to hesitate to stop and like make me lose interest, which is I think good for an animated film about Spider-Man coming out, you know, in in a year where three other superhero movies at least come out. So I don't know. I just think the movie does a great job of like differentiating itself from any other superhero movie you've seen recently. And also differentiating itself from any other animated movie you've seen recently. And that's like a hard thing to do. And I feel like it succeeds in, in both of those aspects. And the voice cast is great. It's super funny. There's a lot of heart. There's moments where I felt myself tearing up and laughing my ass off. And, you know, like really, really being into the moments of action. Like, like John said, it, it's just so... And like we've all said, like in the trailer, when the trailers drop, like those shots, like of him jumping off the building and just like taking the leap, quote unquote, it's just like, that's like magic. You know what I mean? It just looks amazing.
1: One of the things that makes this blend that we're talking about so special is that it's got the Lord and Miller touch. It's that juggling of tropes and and using tropes and yet being aware of using tropes, it's sort of commenting on the fact that we don't need another origin story of this character. And yet the movie is a very regularly paced, if you might even say slowly paced, origin story of the Miles Morales version of Spider-Man. But I don't think you mind because they spend time with this character who's instantly likable and we see his journey. And it's very similar to the time we spend with Peter Parker when he finds out he's got this new gift Right. So it's like, we've seen this done before, but it's not the same story. It's not the same character. It's not the same backdrop. Yeah, The Lord and Miller touch is just, you can do all of that, but you can also have jokes about how we've seen this before. And, and, and even to the point of having a visual motif where whenever we meet a new iteration of Spider-Man, we get their origin issue so thrown onto the screen and we see their story sort of told in, in a, you know, an increasingly rapid way because everybody's got some tragedy and everyone has some circumstance by which they, they got these powers but I liked that the movie was very aware that it was doing that it felt very affectionate and yet also kind of pointed Phil Lord is the guy who wrote the the story for it and then he co-wrote the screenplay and Chris Miller just produced it but it definitely has some of that um, some of that touch to it
2: the whole Phil Lord and and Chris Miller thing that I think uh, is kind of overlooked a little bit is basically anybody that's like 50 and younger that basically grew up on comic books and pop culture that we're very familiar with are the people that are being put in these seats to create these movies. Now, the difference between uh, Phil, Phil Lord and Chris Miller and, say, somebody 20 years prior to them when they were watching the movies when they were kids is that these people were kind of thrown these properties and didn't necessarily love them. And because... Phil and Chris grew up with these things. There's a care that goes into these characters that we hadn't seen in a lot of things. I mean, surely, you know, we saw uh, Tim Burton, who tackled the first two Batmans, which felt like he loved these things. He had a lot of heart, but those were few and far in between in terms of people that were tackling these subjects. And it seems like they handled it with care, that it didn't feel like a parody of a thing. And you can be in a world that's really silly and not feel like you're parodying it. And and I feel like they found this cool mix where you can do both really serious, heartfelt things and parody the things kind of even still like still it's very self-aware in that way, but not feel like it's disrespecting the properties. And they found this perfect, perfect balance of that that I, I want to see them touch everything. I want to see them tackle almost every character in every pop culture uh, thing that we've ever experienced. But um, there's something about what they do, what they bring to the table, what they did with Spider-Man, what they do with these individual characters, even these side characters that we haven't come to know. And let's well, say like pop culture, the pop culture versions of Spider-Man that are still handled with care. Even Kingpin, who who really still... Even watching the like Spider-Man comic books, uh, I'm sorry, the cartoons, still wasn't showing a lot. Them bringing that character forward and showing him as a cool, massive person and who's also been informed by the Daredevil show, now that we've seen him in that, become this really interesting character who's trying to... (laughs) Kill a little kid. <laughs> that character design of Kingpin is so cool and so uh,
1: striking. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen the comics. There was a 1985 or 1986 graphic novel, uh, Daredevil graphic novel, that was illustrated by this very influential comic artist, Bill Sienkiewicz. And... Um, and, and th- do you remember when in the film we see sort of a flashback of Kingpins and it's done in this yeah. slightly different style? There's like line art and oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah definitely. And it looks a little bit more a little bit more graphic. Mm-hmm. That is a sequence that is basically based around Bill Sinkevich's style. And for me to see that on the screen, you know, thirty odd years after I read that comic and having loved his art, and seeing the way this movie paid respect to that character design and used it the way that it's just this giant square with a little head kind of floating a little bit above the middle of this square, you know. Yeah, so awesome. And I think yeah, the character of the Kingpin is one of the best one of the best visual things in the movie, and the way that develops and the way that he becomes kind of scarier and more imposing as it goes along. He does some pretty brutal things in this for a family friendly movie. Was this rated PG?
2: Yeah, it's got to be right. Yeah, I feel like it had to have been. It it, it just proves that we can have a, a a movie that's rated PG, have it have real consequences, um, have it really have some some brushes with death, some actual death, and it still be within the scope of what a what a a kid can see. Like I feel like, you know, somebody ten, nine, eight, seven, even six can watch something like this and still not come out of it traumatized <laughs> and still have a sense of the stakes in this this story and and it might be something that you know you watch as a eight or nine year old and and, and it has this context then but it it's a it, it's so it's it has some deepness to it that um you don't see in a lot of movies that i think that was pretty cool so
1: well, it's interesting coming on the heels of a new Spider-Man that everyone really likes in the in Tom Holland in the MCU. This movie kind of drafts off of that characterization as well. Because in that universe, again, that version of Spider-Man is kind of pulling from the Ultimate comics right down to the fact that the character of Ned in Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, Peter's friend, I think is based on Miles Morales' Asian roommate who is in this film but doesn't have any lines. And I think because they haven't cast an actor for that role yet. Oh, wow. They didn't give him any lines. But it, but I think that character is from the comics. So you can kind of see this weird cross-pollination. It would be strange to bring Miles Morales into the MCU at this point because the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man is kind of created knowing what Miles Morales was. He's got some elements of that character. But I could easily see them deciding that that's how they want to go in that in that series as far as, uh, you know, bringing in this different vision of the character. So who, so who knows where that will go? But now that Miles Morales is kind of like in the conversation, I guess it would be a good uh, time to uh, do that, you know, the favorite thing you do on podcasts, which is compare things to each other <laughs> and rate them. Uh, is How does Into the Spider-Verse sit amongst Spider-Man movies for you guys? And, and not just Spider-Man movies, but this version of Spider-Man versus the other, you know, all Peter Parker versions of Spider-Man? <clears throat>
0: um. I mean, it's definitely in the top two or three for me. I mean, I, I feel like the only thing that may be better than it is maybe Spider-Man 2. I mean, I really love Spider-Man 2. Sam Raimi's uh, Tobey Maguire one. Um, I, I mean, I, I really like Spider-Man Homecoming also. And I like Tom Holland as as Peter Parker and Spider-Man eh, in that movie quite a bit. And like what he's done in the Avengers films. But, you know, I just think there's something so different about this one that kind of just separates it a little more. That uh, I mean, it's up there, man. Like, it's 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 pretty. I mean, I don't know, um, because there's so many spider people in it. I don't know that Miles gets as much. I mean, there's plenty of stuff there for Miles, but like, you know, I think there's a lot of work being done by some of the other voice voice casts, and like, you know, the Peter Parker character even in this one, and where those other Peter Parkers, you know, get the whole film to themselves. So there's a little more going on um story wise but I mean for what they accomplish in you know just under two hours in this with having four or five different versions of this uh, of a superhero on the screen is is really cool and I mean that said you know it's probably like it's gotta be it's probably maybe my first I don't know man it's like it's up there the only one that really makes me think is Spider-Man 2 I just really like Spider-Man 2 a lot um so I mean it's it's like maybe one two i don't know it's up there man
2: i agree with steve like S- spider-man 2 was unreal like i i think about the impact the cultural impact of spider-man 2 um it is it is it is my favorite up until this point point. and then when i saw this one it kind of took its place just in terms of like the heart of it but spider-man 2 i'd say this one Spider-Man 2 and then Homecoming are my top three Spider-Man movies, this being the number one into the Spider-Verse.
1: I line up with you perfectly, Ronald. I think this kind of jumped to the head of Spider-Man movies for me. I have seen a few people that have expressed, like, a, like, is it really that good? How could it really be that good? <laughs> and I can't really describe it except to say that it is kind of a marriage of what we like about the Marvel movies and what we like about a Pixar movie or a very visually inventive yeah. animated film. And... um it's hard to explain how it can be its own thing and and not just be another Spider-Man movie. Right. But I think that's one of the things the movie does well is somehow stake out its spot. And if they sequelize this, which it sounds like they will, are they going to sequelize the uh, Spider-Verse concept or are they going to uh, sequelize Miles Morales? And would a story about just Miles Morales going up against a supervillain in his world, would that seem a little bit small in scale once we've been on this dimension hopping uh, journey that this that this movie was. So I wonder. It's almost like Miles Morales might not get a chance to be just just your friendly neighborhood Spider Man, even though that's kind of the point.
0: Yeah, I think that like it'll be interesting. I mean, I think they actually did announce already that they're doing a sequel to this, and they're doing a spinoff for the Spider Gwen. Like she's going right. to get her own like animated film. But um, it'll be interesting to see how those movies work as standalones and how much they kind of rely on possibly having these characters see one another again somehow somewhere um but that would be kind of cool um but it is like even if it doesn't feel so big it's just still i think this still works and it could inform those other movies in an interesting way because you know like you said earlier like the whole spin on the origin story is that like you basically get you know four or five spider-man origin stories and they all kind of empower and inform miles and each of those respective spider people when they go back to their dimensions like it's affected they've all affected one another in a way that will forever have an impact on their story from that point forward so that's kind of cool like even just whatever happens next with miles or next with gwen like in those movies whenever they happen you know it'd be cool to see how they have um created the new person that came out of this film or the new people that come from this film but um, yeah, And there, and there's
1: a version of Peter Parker in this movie that made me think of, okay, this is a, a version of the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. But
1: they don't ever come out and say that it's the same one. There's certain clues and there's certain hints, but it's not exactly the same thing. And what I like about that is in this kind of, you know, just as a nerd, what, what I like about that is it kind of suggests that, yes, in addition to the worlds we see in this movie, there's a world where... Th- Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man and there's a world where Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. For sure. For sure. Like in a strange way, even though this is an animated movie and it's not trying to connect to any of those things, this actually says that there are all these different versions of Spider-Man, including the ones that we've seen uh, before. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, uh, can we do a tiny little spoiler section here at the end, just because I think there's certain things that should be surprises for people that I would like to just mention with you guys or see what you thought of them. Before we wrap it up.
2: Sure, sure. Let's do it.
1: Um, Yes. Well, I guess we're giving people time. You can back away... You can just throw down your phone and back away from it at this point. If you haven't seen the movie, you can hop off and come back once you have. But I just want to know what you guys thought of the whole kind of switcheroo surprise. Did you know, Steve, going in that the version of Spider-Man that we met at the beginning of the film was going to die uh, in order for Miles Morales to become Spider-Man? And and did you realize, as I did not until this movie was over, that Chris Pine was actually the voice of the first Spider-Man? Was that a surprise to you?
0: It was a surprise that Chris Pine was. I had heard his name um, related to this movie but did not know if it was confirmed or what he was doing with it. But I think they did a good job of keeping that secret. I did have I I felt like – I did feel like one of the spider – or that Peter Parker might die in the movie. But I didn't realize – I think they did a really good job of keeping Peter Parker and Peter B. Parker separate. And I thought that was really uh, a great marketing angle because – Uh, all of the marketing has Jake in it and nothing has Chris Pine. So I thought that was a really kind of cool kick to the movie to be like, oh, who's that voice? And then, you know, you really kind of buy into that character a little bit there in the beginning and and it's kind of shocking that that happens. That that was
1: the best version of Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? Like that was the version that w- that had the tech and that was heroic and was doing the right yeah. thing and didn't yeah. have this kind of like sad sack quality that the uh, Jake Johnson version did. But I thought that made it just funnier that it's Chris Pine and then Jake Johnson. And I love that the hair color was different. It just was yeah. such an interesting yeah. idea to say that, yeah, the same person in two different dimensions might be the same person, but they won't be exactly the same in yeah. all these key ways. I thought that was a really cool thing. It, just, it, it was extra mind bending to me to be like, oh, it's not even the same voice, but it's still the same guy. Um, and yeah. then, of course, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. That, not that that's a spoiler, but the way that character is integrated into the world, it's a, just at the point where your mind will accommodate that extra layer of silliness. And I thought that he was uh, he was a great addition to the movie. He didn't quite become a fully developed character the same way that, say, Rocket Raccoon or Groot did in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a similar gambit of, can we introduce something this ridiculous and have people follow it? Mm-hmm. But as a kind of gag character, I thought he and the Nicolas Cage version of Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man Noir, I thought those two. Characters existed mostly as just joke delivery systems for the for the last act or two, I guess, but they, they don't come in until pretty late in the movie, so they were just there to kind of spice it up. Um, what did you think of the villain, and, and did you recognize that it was Catherine Hahn? It took me a, about half the movie to be sure, but I thought she was great.
2: Uh, man, this is like one of the few times that I, I recognized almost everybody's voice except for Kingpin's. Like I knew Mahershala Ali was an uncle. He has like that distinct laugh that's almost...
0: Yeah, definitely. It's
2: insane. His laugh is insane. Playing a character that Donald Glover played
1: in <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming. And that's especially ironic given that Miles Morales, the character was partially based on Donald Glover because the comic book writer Brian Michael Bendis, who who co-created the character with the artist Sarah Pacelli, he he saw Donald Glover wearing Spider-Man pajamas on an episode of Community, and that image stuck in his head, and that was part of where he went with creating Miles Morales. It's unfortunate that that Donald Glover kind of aged out of playing this character, you know?
2: Yeah, but yeah, it was it was so good, man. Like the the voice acting was incredible. Having Doc Ock portrayed as a woman was so cool it added so much depth to i don't know I, I i just thought that it it leaned into the uniqueness of all these characters and kind of through it was like all these ideas that you have about these characters you've seen before throw those away and we're gonna add these layers of coolness to all to all of them none of them felt forced none of the choices felt forced which i really liked yeah and all of the all of the villains felt very dangerous which was cool too man. None of them felt weak. That was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was a great surprise
1: too that she popped up when she did and that she became this recognizable villain and that you realize, oh wait. I'm not looking at like uh, uh Doctor She Octopus, and I'm not looking at Doctor Octopus's daughter. I'm looking at this universe's version of Doctor Octopus. I thought that was really cool, uh, uh, or at least once that dawned on me, it, it really struck me as a as a as a another bold decision. And then I guess that character is kind of undercut by the a very funny gag of of how she's taken out uh, at, at the end of the movie. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was a visual feast. And so her powers or her, her tentacles were very fun to watch. And the way they were animated, it was it was done with a lot of imagination, just like everything in the whole movie was. And at the end, when it is going crazy, and you have that kind of really painterly, uh, sketchy, like really iridescent colors, like bright pink and bright blue kind of flashing around and everything, that was so crazy that it was this perfect marriage of an actual literal world that you're seeing on screen and something that really does look like, you know, spray paint or really does look like someone's painting or some... It, it, it was great how it it occupied that space. It never felt like you weren't invested in this world, but it was constantly reminding you of how artificial it was. Um, and I like how that was amped up in the ending. And um, yeah, I thought it was... Uh, did you guys catch who the voice was of the, uh, the post credit stinger? The version of Spider-Man that's in that? Oscar Isaac? Yeah, Oscar Isaac, and it's Spider-Man 2099 from the comics, who I think has existed in the 90s, I don't know how long that comic ran. I mean, as as post-credit stingers go, I I laughed at that one. I I did not catch the reference that it was Spider-Man 2099 until I read that somewhere. But I did think, who's that voice? And it did, you know, once again, that's like Chris Pine being in there, Oscar Isaac doing this just kind of shows that, okay, if they do expand this, that's another person who seems like they would be ready to play. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to see them do another one. Would you want it to be a Spider-Verse movie or would you want it to be a Miles Morales movie? The the way this movie ended it, it felt like... um, you know, we had kind of seen everybody have some form of an arc, even though Spider Ham saying that he or or the Spider Man Noir had an arc would be stretching it.
2: I I don't mind. Uh, I don't want. I don't want a whole Spider Verse storyline, but I don't mind them referencing some of the, uh, you know, the aftermath of the things that happen in this film. But I don't. I I don't think I want to see an, a whole Spider Verse story dedicated to a whole movie. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, but I, I would love to see just a, a solely a Miles Morales um, movie in this world in New York in this current time. And if some of the people from the Spider Verse show up, then so be it. But again, not a whole story. What would you like to see most,
1: Steve? Do you want to see the things that they've announced, or is there, do you want to see the Miles Morales movie that Ronald's talking about, or would you like to see a more direct sequel to this movie that brings in um, you know even more crazy different versions of the character?
0: I don't want them to like rely on this this angle of like the Spider Verse, but I mean, I have a feeling that it's going to be something that is is kind of mined a little more. Um, whether it's the same characters or different characters, I have a feeling it would probably be m- more along the lines of the same characters. Um, but I, I guess I'd probably be more interested in just seeing more of a, a Miles Morales film that maybe some of these characters pop back up in somehow. Um, or a crossover in somehow or uh, meanwhile and whatever, like this is what's happening kind of thing that might be interesting, but I don't know. I'm curious how, how deep they go with, with it. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm also partly curious to see how well it does. I remember we talked about this before and I, I kind of was making comment that I, I kind of feel like it's going to be, I'm worried that it might, well, even then before seeing it, I was kind of like worried that it would underperform considering that it looked really good. Um, but even seeing the movie like i i feel like the the word of mouth is is good and it will be good and like critic response has been great but i mean the movie's like tracking kind of low and uh i'm just really curious to see if it's kind of like the the odd man out with all of these big winter uh christmas releases um but i guess that'll dictate how deep they go into this spider you know sony spider world you know venom was huge and you know they're going to do that whole thing and they're going to they're going to make their own decisions with that and i mean that's all sony still too so i mean this might be an opportunity for them to have another type of thing going if this movie makes enough money
1: you think the look hurts it at the box office the fact that it's a little a little different than anything people have seen
0: it might it might it might hurt it and i mean it might be that i don't know it might it might be that it's really testing whether like the superhero comic movie works in an animated style. I mean, like you can say the Incredibles is one thing, but you know, that's also a Pixar film and you know, that's also Disney. And you know, I don't know, like, I I guess it's really going to test whether people want to see an animated movie about superheroes or do they want to see the live action superheroes that star, you know, like their favorite actors and actresses and things like that. Um, Because it is kind of like one of the first like major tests for that kind of thing. Like you know, sure there's tons of animated films that do well that have like huge stars voicing it, but I mean they're really leveraging IP that is really you know comic gold, and um, you know they see that working in live action comic franchises, and you know it's kind of like a test to see if these will work. You know like all the DC animated films like a lot of them are really good, but they don't ever come out in theaters. They go right to, you know, you know they go to physical media, video on demand. Like they don't really get much of a release, but they're a lot of them are really good. But this is like, you know, uh, a Marvel Sony thing where they're they're putting this movie into a pretty wide release around Christmas and you know, they know they have a good movie. It's just going to be interesting to see how well it performs. I think right now last I checked it's like tracking anywhere between 30 and 40 million for opening weekend, which which sounds good, but like for a movie that it, I think it, the budget was almost like a hundred million, and you know it's like that's a kind of a that's kind of like a low opening for like a hundred million dollar comic movie if you're calling it a comic movie, and and one that's animated that that is intended to be family friendly, that sounds kind of low. Um, yeah, that is but low. but it could have like great word of mouth. It could hold over over the holidays, which is what they're banking on. I'm sure. And I mean, they've got to have some sort of feeling because, like I said, they've—I think—they've announced those two sequels already. And you know, if they happen, it'll be really dependent on this movie doing well enough to warrant it. So, I don't know. I hope it happens. I—I I love this movie. I would watch—I would watch whatever they put out next. I mean, whether it's Spider Verse stuff or Miles stuff or Gwen stuff or. I, I would trust it enough to be curious to see what they'd come up with next, and I'd I'd be happy and anxious to see it.
1: I don't know if, which one of you guys it was that said at one point, maybe we were talking about this movie, maybe we were talking about something else. You were just talking about how unshackled like superhero, fantasy, sci-fi f- filmmaking can be if it's animated, because they're not trying to blend real right. and, and fake. Right. And I think that this movie really does... G- you know, take that and take it to that next level. Because not only does it create a very credible action movie atmosphere, but it it has that look that is not naturalistic at all. And yet you still feel very um, uh, connected to the characters yeah. in this world. They they feel real. So, yeah, I loved it. And I, I kind of want to see more, but I'd be fine if they said, this is a great movie. Let's just back off and let it be great. But <laughs> they
2: never do that, do they? <laughs> no, they, they do not do that. <laughs> They're not going to ease up on this. <laughs>
0: Well, it's in theaters today, so anybody listening to this, if you listen to it and are or on the fence, and hopefully you didn't listen through this far and hear a spoiler, obviously all three of us are saying this is a, a very strong go ahead and see this movie because uh, we've all, we all really, really enjoyed it. So check it out while it's in theaters especially. Try to see it on the biggest screen you can. All right. Well, that's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in theaters today. And then, like John said earlier, hopefully we're going to get together Maybe next week. I don't know. Maybe the week after. I don't know when it's going to be. Hopefully next week to get uh, a holiday episode, record it, and go over some of the things that we loved and hated most throughout this year. And what else? I've
1: been making my list and checking it thrice.
0: (laughs) Thrice. There you go. Um... If you subscribe to this podcast, whatever your favorite podcast channel, app, supplier is, please leave a review if you have the opportunity to or a rating or however you're able to kind of give us some feedback. It'd be It's always really appreciated and uh, it helps people find us when they search for things like movie reviews, film reviews, entertainment, whatever those keywords are. Um, if you can do that, that'd be great. And uh, you can find us at uh, moviesmovie.com and Facebook.com slash MoviesHmovie. If you have ideas for episodes or want to kind of give us your take on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, feel free to comment on the post that this goes up on Friday. You can see the post for this uh, episode on Facebook. And if you want to comment, let us know what you think. Once you see it this weekend, it, uh, it'd be cool to kind of get a conversation going with some of our listeners to see if we can talk a little bit more on that channel about this film. Because I'm sure the three of us would be happy to do so. Um... And do you guys have anything else to throw down?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's it for
0: me. John, yeah. anything else?
1: No, I feel very uh, satisfied.
0: <laughs> and that's what's important, guys. At the end of the episode, <laughs> as long as John is satisfied, that's the uh, that's the all clear. Somebody to has say, to be
1: satisfied, and once yeah. one person has declared they are satisfied, the other people have nothing. That they can do except say, well, this is basically over then.
0: Yeah, as long so as yes. it's greater than or equal to one person in this group being satisfied, <laughs> we're good right. to go. Yeah. So, um <laughs> with that, as always, you've made our day. Thanks.
2: Bye. Spider ham, spider hem, friendly neighborhood spider ham.
0: Spins a web, that's the gig. Kinda weird cuz he's a pig. Look
1: out. Here comes the spider hen.